Well, good morning, everybody. We're glad that you're here with us, connecting with us. We have been in a marriage series uh, called Closer. We're not, not just a marriage series, but we've been doing a series on relationships. And we understand this. If you're a Christ follower today, you understand the most important relationship that you have here on earth is your relationship with God. But the second most important relationship is with your spouse and then with your friends. And, and so we, we, taught, we did a, a, a sermon series about uh, friendships, uh, dating relationships, and then last week we talked about marriage. And so I, I wanted to, that we talked about this, uh, about having a, a time to just sit down and, and interview some couples in the church because all of you have been in that, in that one of those stages before. You're currently in the stage of marriage. And so uh, I thought it'd be fun to just sit down and talk about relationships. And so let me introduce the couples that we have uh, that are here today. And, uh, and so just go ahead and introduce yourselves and how long you have been married. I'll let you guys start. So my name is Jonathan Geisler. This is my wife, Megan. We've been married for almost three years now. Okay. Joyce Humple and my husband Ed, and we've been married for going to be 55 years next month. I'm Steve DeWall, and this is my wife Mary, and uh, we have been married eight years. <laughs> and I uh, have a friend that always would say, uh, in a combination of about 41 years. So we'll tell you our story here in a bit. Yes, yes, yeah. So yeah, excellent. Each of these couples is in a different stage of this marriage. So we have the kind of the newlyweds and then new with child. I got to spend some time with Eli the other day. How old is Eli? Uh, it was four months. Four months, four months, okay. And so we have the veterans of the group right here. <laughs> the veterans, 55 years, thank you. Thank you for demonstrating to us the joy of marriage after that, after 55 years. And then we have Steve and Mary. I got to participate in their wedding. See, I've known Steve and Mary for quite a while and, and got to help out in their wedding. But their story is just a little bit different in that uh, Steve and Mary were married before to others, to other people. So they're divorced and then remarried. So we, we got kind of a, a, a different dynamic that, that's going on here. So I have some questions that I'm kind of prepared to, to ask them. And uh, I want to start with Ed and Joyce, our veterans here. And, and the question that I have for you, and again, I, I just want everybody to know there, there is no perfect couple that's sitting up on this platform. There is no perfect couple that is out there. So, okay, so we have established. And, and I think the, the thing that I like about these couples is they're in the midst of been there, done that, and still working through it, okay, and still asking God for intervention. So I, I just want to establish that. But I want to ask Ed and Joyce, 55 years of marriage, if you knew then what you know now, <laughs> What, what, what would you wish that you knew back then that you know now about marriage? That it's worth keeping, that it's worth keeping on for. Okay. It's worth staying with it. it, it, it <laughs> <laughs> yes, a man of many words. <laughs> 
what, what is that? What when is he that? wants to do it, he knows how. <laughs> what, what does that mean? What does that mean to you, Joyce? I'm sorry. What does that mean? What you just share with us? What does that mean? I don't know. It just means that. Hello. <laughs> These things weren't invented back when we were doing <laughs> No. Um, I think what it, it's just that it's worth it. It just, no matter what you go through, you learn from it. And you get up and you go on the next day. I think the biggest thing that I learned um, it was to never go to bed angry. That was something that I really learned. And that's, if I can tell real quick, I promise yes, you, you I promised you short words. Okay. Uh, <laughs> When we were probably within our first 10 years of marriage, I can't tell you exactly when it was. And of course, we didn't agree on everything. Nobody does. And this one time, we, I don't even know what we were arguing about, but we had a disagreement. And we did not come to a conclusion and to fix it up before we went to bed. And so we just went to bed. And I was angry when I went to bed. I was annoyed when I went to bed. When I woke up, I could not believe how mad I had gotten overnight. It was weird. It was scary. I had just gotten so furious with him, and he hadn't done a thing to really deserve it. But anyway, we made up that morning, and I, made, I promised myself, and I told him too, that we would never, ever go to bed angry again. And we never have. If we disagree on something, we'll agree to disagree, but we'll make sure that we've made up before we go to bed, and then we'll talk about it for three months afterwards and figure out what happened <laughs> and come up with a, with a decision. <laughs> And this could be one of them. <laughs> all I wanted to say was, even if you have to stay up all night, it's worth it. Do not go to bed angry. Yeah. Don't go to sleep angry. Yeah. I was going to say, a lot of late nights, a lot of late night conversations. <laughs> Good for you. I want to ask uh, Megan and Jonathan, you married four, four years? Three years. Three years. Okay. So, and you guys dated for how long? Okay, lessons in dating. What, 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 what was the big wake-up call or the big lesson that you learned that you're so glad that you practice in dating that has helped you in marriage? What, what did you do in dating that helped you succeed in marriage? I think one thing is that when we started dating, we were really intentional that we were dating to see if we wanted to be married together. Um, so even like right away, we had a lot of hard conversations and um, tried to basically flesh out all the topics that, that could be causing issues in the future. Um, you know, parenting and, and all kinds of stuff, you know, even the first month, trying to see, you know, basically almost looking for things that would um, come up as issues in the future. Um, not even to, to pursue that, then it weren't going to be a good fit. Um, when we were first starting to date, I can't tell you how many times I heard that the, the main three topics that cause the most arguments in marriage are, are finances, sex, and communication. And so um, we were just trying to be mindful of that, and especially communication was the main thing we were trying to work on. And um, one thing that we didn't realize is that communication in dating is much different from communication in marriage. Um, because when you're dating, you're, you're, um, it's just a lot of getting to know you and a lot of trying to, like you were saying, figure out how 
how to work together um, and how to have conversations that uh, where the other person hears what you <laughs> mean to say. <laughs> um, but in marriage, there's a lot of things that you don't talk about when you're when you're dating, like really silly things like how much time do we need to get the baby ready in the morning before church, <laughs> and um, uh, just just things that we didn't really realize that we needed to talk about. So, so and what I heard from you guys is that when you were dating, you were intentional about it. So you were like, okay, I, I'm going to start to date this person. Could this person be a potential spouse? So you were thinking about that. It wasn't just recreational dating. I heard that you were intentional. Any, any thoughts on that? Uh, for those of you who don't know Jonathan, uh, <laughs> he's, an, he's an engineer, and he's a very, very uh, linear thinker and um, just really good at being thorough. Um, and so when he was saying that, that we were intentionally looking for those topics, he, he really means it. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so I think in the moment it was sometimes frustrating to me um, because we had to have all those serious conversations. Um, things like, things like um, what would we do if one of us ever gets cancer? I mean, are we going to just, you know, do chemo or is there some sort of a natural thing that we're going to try? You know, do we give vaccines to our children? I mean, just lots of just lots of topics like you know, how much do we save and how much do we spend and what do we live on and um, and it was just frustrating for me sometimes to have those conversations when it was so theoretical. Um, but looking back now that we are married, it, I'm glad that we did. I'm glad that we hashed that out and um, and to see too, even if we were going to be compatible and if there was you know a consensus that was able to be reached before it was. Yeah, and again, so just, you're not going to spend all this time on somebody that you know you would not be compatible with, you know, and so you know who you are, you know your values, you know what God has called you to, and you're going to find somebody who's compatible, or like, yeah, maybe I'm not spending that time on that. So, uh, Steve and Mary, so tell us a little bit about your story. Um, Steve, you said you were going to speak to that uh, you guys were both married at, at one time to, to other people. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, my, my first marriage, I was uh, married for 16 years. And uh, uh, the gal I had married, uh, she was previously married. And uh, I guess not yet divorced. And I had met her. And uh, she had a little boy. Uh, two years old, and uh, she ended up finalizing her divorce, and we had dated, and uh, ended up, you know, getting married. Uh, like I say, we were married 16 years, and had a daughter together, um, and it just did not work out. believe looking back uh, the gal that I had married had a lot of a lot of damage um, from her upbringings and her first marriage and just not giving that uh, giving that time to heal um, 
jumping into the next relationship. So after 16 years, uh, made a very, very difficult decision to uh, separate. Um, it's very difficult for me because uh, I was doing something that I didn't believe in. And, uh, but yet, I couldn't continue going the path that we were. It was unhealthy for all four of us. So um, we went through a divorce. It was a messy divorce. It took over two years to settle. And uh, after that, uh, it's like, now what? And so I just took time to heal. You know, I wasn't sure what what was next. Uh, I had went through the divorce care thing, uh, our program over in Green Bay. Um, wonderful program. You know, it was uh, every, I don't remember if it was every Tuesday night, but it was for 15 weeks and you, you had a topic each week that uh, was discussed. And uh, I got a lot of healing and uh, a lot out of that. And then, you know, life got pretty lonely. You know, we, my daughter, she was, uh, she would have been in high school, so she had her, you know, activities. And then, you know, it's, we had, uh, uh, you know, every, it was a 50-50 uh, split for uh, custody. Got to see her, you know, every other weekend. The holidays are, you know, a lot of you know how that looks, and it's just, it's a very challenging time. I do have to say, nobody wins in a situation like this. Well, there's one that wins. Um, apologize if there's any uh, of you guys in the house, but that would be the attorneys. Um, they are the only ones that win. So, and it's not. It's not a 50-50 split. Uh, um, somebody shared once that you know they took a sheet of paper and ripped it in half. I mean, it's it's not down the middle. Um, nothing's fair, but uh, it needs to be resolved. And so, I guess moving forward, uh, you know, the next five years, I just took time to heal, and you know, wasn't sure. What was next and uh, you know that I had dated uh, you know some ladies you know not a lot you know one two three I don't even remember but uh, um, let me let, let I want to get to that point here and, and just a moment, I want to hear about your dating life that's too much for me but <laughs> I want to I want to hear from Mary Mary tell us tell, that's and Steve thank you for being vulnerable with us and, and sharing that with us Mary, your story, I mean, you know, you, that's not something you, you're like, oh, this is great. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> it, yeah, it was not the greatest. I married the pastor's son. And when I was walking down the aisle, the church was packed, standing room only. And I heard God's voice say, you can still say no. And 
my brother was walking me down and I was like, I can't. We have over 500 people here, God, I can't. I have to see this through. And when I was saying my vows, I was crying because I knew I wasn't in God's perfect will. And I knew there was gonna be consequences. But regardless, God never left me. He never forsake me. He was always right there. And just like Steve, I was also married. Um, I filed for divorce. It was around 14, we were married for 14 years and then it took an additional two and a half years. And what led me to that choice was I was standing in the bathroom and I had all of the doors locked. And the mental abuse that went on that I didn't tell anyone about was horrific. And it got to the point where I went into the medicine cabinet and I poured out all of the pills I could find and I had a big tall glass of water right there. And I'm like, God, Eric's right, I, I can't, I'm not worthy, I'm not lovable, I'm a horrible mother. My son would be so much better out, so much better without me in his life. And I was a praise and worship leader. I was in the church. I was doing all of these things for God, right? And my phone rang. And it was my good friend, Wendy. And I was thinking, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give her one last goodbye. She will have that closure. I'm going to give her that. And I picked up the phone and I tried to act like everything was all good. And she was bawling on the other end and she's like, Mary, what is going on? What is happening? What is going on? I keep hearing this voice. Call Mary now. Call Mary now. Call Mary now. And I knew that was God. Using the unsaved to save the saved. And she told me, she goes, Mary, the God that you have always talked to me about, do you honestly think that he would leave you, that this is the right decision for you to make to take your own life? He has so much more for you. He has a purpose for you. A week after, she took me down to the courthouse and she helped pay for me to file that divorce. And during this whole entire time, my family completely disowned me. I had no one. My mom disowned me, my brothers and my sisters, they all thought I was this horrible person. And after we got through that, I was like, I learned on how to cultivate my relationship with God. I learned what it meant to trust in him. I learned what it meant when he said, 
I'm your provider. I'm your defender. I am your strength. When you are down, I will be picking you up. I learned that he was my daddy. He was my Abba father because he was all I had. Amen. Amen. the divorce happened, and I, and I know this is not right to say, but I am going to say this. My grass was greener on the other side. <laughs> because I gave him everything. I gave him everything. I'm like, you keep it. You keep the house. I don't care. Because my freedom was priceless. Mm. My mind, having, I needed to have my right mind back. And to me, that was priceless. And so it was kind of like with Steve. Five years. Five years. I was like, uh-uh, I'm fine with just me, Jesus, and Seth. Uh-uh, I don't need no man telling me the who, what, when, where, not. How something's going to happen, when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen while it's happening. Uh-uh, no. No, and for five years, I was like healing, getting healing, healing. counselor after counselor. I mean, I don't know how much money I spent, but every penny was well worth it. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you, Mary. Thank you guys for being so vulnerable with us. Um, Ed and Joyce, 55 years, and you, you gave us really a big nugget about, you talked, really you talked to us about the power of forgiveness. Is there, is there another secret that you would say to us uh, that is the secret to a lasting marriage? Anybody out here, what is the secret? What is the key? not going to talk. (laughs) For me, I think it's to make this wonderful friendship with the person who's shown that he can be trusted and shown that he can be spoken to. We can come to conclusions. We can come to decisions together. May not be that day, but we will come to them. Uh, If you don't go to bed mad and you still wake up and you like them, uh, you can figure out the end to the question in three months. Just keep that friendship, I think, is the big thing. And friendship with family, too, with his family. His family's like my family. And uh, I, I, I've been very blessed. Every, his mother, every time, every birthday, I used to send her a thank you card for his birthday because it was, I, I was grateful for him. Mm-hmm. So, anything? <laughs> Yeah, I'm slow. I thought of something. (laughs) Uh, What you mentioned in the sermon last Sunday, the crazy circle and the good circle, and uh, there's a lot to it. Uh, She has always shown me a lot of respect, and I try to understand that maybe she wants to watch a, a love show or <laughs> or something <laughs> or something other than uh, you know I may even I even get her Valentine cards now <laughs> you know <laughs> I go all out <laughs> you, you, you mentioned uh, friends and family but 
How has faith contributed to your marriage? Oh, faith has been from the, from the start. Um, when we were first got together, he was, I, I had been raised uh, uh, on the Meth- in the Methodist church, but I had an aunt who was Pentecostal, an aunt who was Baptist. And so I used to go every year until I got started working in the hospital and got a job. I used to go to Baptist church camp, Methodist church camp, and Pentecostal church camp every year. And so that's where I come from. He was a Catholic guy, and we, but we both loved the Lord. I knew that he loved the Lord, regardless of what his denomination was. So when we got married, we spent the first 11 years in the Catholic church because I knew he was a Christian and I wanted to worship together. And so that's what we did. And then uh, after 11 years, uh, he got saved, and on we went. And uh, our, actually, our son was, went to uh, Catholic school. And then after 11 years... Or after we'd been married, he, he went to, uh, you know, to church. And so things were different, but we just stayed together and made our changes. And, but the faith, the Lord was so important. He just, he kept us together. He loved God more than he loved the other stuff. Absolutely. And I just knew he would be fine. And look at him. <laughs> Jonathan and Megan, when, when did faith enter into your relationship, or was it there all along, and, and how has it impacted your, your marriage? <laughs> put, put your microphone up there. You're right yes, there, sir. right there. Yep. No, it started from the beginning. Um, we actually had met at a Bible study, um, and that's how we ended up having a, a conversation. <laughs> um, so we like to tell the stories that Megan asked, <laughs> asked me out the first time. Um, <laughs> um, but it was, a, it was a conversation that came up in Bible study um, about predestination, and so we were just talking about about that over a meal, and uh, turned into this. Um, yeah, I think faith played a big part. It was it was just the foundation, I guess, that our relationship was built on. There was a lot of. Um, assumptions and a lot of, um, well, it was just the foundation. And so um, there were things that we chose to do because of our faith, like go to church together, and there were things that we chose not to do, boundaries that we chose not to cross because of our faith, um, and things that we wouldn't have cared about and wouldn't really have been important, I think, if we weren't Christian, so. Yeah, I wanna ask you one more question. What, so you guys are a couple years. What has been the biggest reality check? Because you guys really interviewed each other pretty good uh, when you were dating. Then you get married. What has been the biggest reality check? Be honest with us. <laughs> I think one of the biggest um, reality checks, which is how different we really are. We're, we're opposites, but I think really compliments us, um, but I'm more on the, the logical, you know, engineer side and Megan's more on the emotional side, so trying to cross that over um, is always an adventure, but, but it, I think we make each other better because of that. And I mentioned it already, but communication <laughs> is the hardest thing, I think. Um, sometimes I just look at him and I have to ask him, like, what did you hear? Because I don't think you're understanding me. <laughs> 
Um, and that's something that I just didn't expect. I just didn't under, I didn't realize that we were speaking a different language, and so it's been. Um, it has had to there. We've had to have a lot of intentionality with that. We've had to sit down, and one of Jonathan's plans um, since before we got married was to have what I call a temperature talk, that we would just sit down every week and kind of take the temperature of the relationship. And um, we weren't, we didn't always sit down every week and do it, but I think it was really important, especially at the beginning of our marriage, because it gave us an opportunity to say, you know, you know, last Thursday when you did that, I really, you know, I felt this way and I was, I was disappointed. And sometimes he'd be surprised because he, he intended it a different way. And, you know, maybe he was trying to care for me and, and it was just misunderstood. And so that was a good, it was just a good kind of neutral ground for us to talk about things that were upsetting um, when we were both calm. So. Excellent. Steve and Mary, I want to get back to you guys. So how did you know you were ready to get married again. How did you know? Because both of you, you really, you said you, you spent a lot of time and energy, finances, focuses on healing. I'm telling you, that's, that's really important because in you, you, you guys, I'm sure you guys would tell us the baggage in you, we all got baggage. You take that into the marriage and then that you, it goes into one room and yeah. So how did you know that you were ready for that? Steve, you want to speak to that? Yeah, I, um, I guess, you know, we met on a blind date and uh, went out Friday night and I called Mary Saturday uh, morning. Uh, the blind date was very, very strange. And uh, I, uh, okay, I'll let, why don't you go first? Okay. <laughs> we need some clarification yeah, here. It, it, Thank it, you. It was a very extremely, it was my first and only blind date. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to backtrack. So we actually had our blind date. It was April 19th. And I'm going to backtrack to December. I'm, I was a music teacher at that time, and I was driving down the road and going back home because I lived in Pulaski at the time from East of Pier to Pulaski. And that was, that's, that's like my time with my daddy, right? And all of a sudden I hear, Mary. Wouldn't it be nice to have a man in your life? In the name of Jesus, devil, get out of this vehicle. <laughs> I was like biting and breaking, like, uh-uh. And then everything was quiet for a week. And then the following week, Mary, wouldn't it nice be nice to have a man in your life? Uh-uh, no, 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 no. The only man I need, the only father I need is Jesus, and that I'm good, okay? And finally, the Holy Spirit started wearing me down. And I was like, finally, I just surrendered and I said okay here's the deal because this is how we talk yeah. right <laughs> I said God you know me better than what I know myself you know what I need you know what I want but only you can give me that full package I am not going to be looking out. I am not going to be 
you know, seeing, hey, is that the one? Uh -uh. I said, God, you're going to have to bring him to me because I said, you know what? I said, I'm doing ministry. I don't have time to be running around like a little chicken. So, oh, is he the one? Is he? I'm like, uh -uh, no, you have to bring him to me. And so I kept on getting March, just kept on getting the month of March. And I'm like, okay, thank you, God. You're at least you're giving me a little bit of a reprieve here. Okay, so March rolls around the first Sunday. I was just like looking over. I'm like, nope, I know everyone here. Thank you, Jesus. Second week, I'm like, nope, it's all good. Third week, I'm like, yes, man, we're scoring. It's like nothing's happening. The fourth week, I'm like, man, we are golden. I even stayed late after church. And I was just like, hmm. I walk out to my vehicle and I put my hand on the doorknob and I'm like, huh, God must have forgot. And all of a sudden I heard, Mary, wait. Oh. <laughs> I knew that I knew that I knew he did not forget because he knew my deepest heart's desire and here it was his pastor from Shano that was visiting and he's telling me all about this fabulous guy named Steve and I gave him every excuse in the book on how I could not hear you know you know, meet him and everything else, and he was just like, no, 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 we're going to set this up. <laughs> and I said, okay, if, I said, if I'm supposed to meet this guy, I said, you and your wife will be there, and your parents, because his parents went to my church. <laughs> so that's how our blind date went. I had the pastor and his parents both sitting at the table, You took. I'm a single woman. I'm not going to be meeting no man I don't know. Larry Taylor <laughs> was on your date? Oh, yeah, my, Larry word. And <laughs> my word. Larry my word. So, it was, yeah, it was a very interesting blind date. I had the pastor and his parents sitting at our table. <laughs> let, let me ask you guys, people who are in that place, that went into a, a marriage expecting ever, everlasting forever after, <laughs> yes, I'm pretty sure, and they're not there. Same pain, same hurt, that you went through, they're lonely. What words of encouragement would you give to that person who's just, I'm lonely? What would you say? I guess for me, I, I prayed and I listened. You gotta have Jesus through the process. And you don't need Jesus just in times of challenges or trouble. Um, you, know, you know, fast forward, one of the, you know, when we decided to get married and got engaged, one of my biggest fears was I don't want to make a mistake again. And you know, I've been alone for five years and became pretty independent. And, you know, our, our first year of marriage, I mean, it was, it was exciting in a lot of ways, good ways and bad ways. And let me tell you, I mean, some days, every day you need Jesus, some days you needed more Jesus than others. And then there were some days where Holy cow, 
I need a lot of Jesus today. <laughs> But, I mean, without God, you know, I would say that's how we got through and got what we have today is we've been very blessed by, by Jesus. So what I hear you saying is you, you took that time in your healing time. You did all that you could to make Jesus your number one. Yes, yes. Your number one pursuit because it would be tempting to make a potential spouse or, you know, somebody, you know, to, you know, you want to start dating, it would be easy to make them your potential number one. And, and you, you did not do that. You, you spent time making Jesus your number one. Right, right. I wanted to heal. I wanted, I wanted to do it right the next time. I guess one thing that I um, vowed I would not do is, start going out, hanging out in the bars, and, you know, I did not want that scene again. Yeah. And uh, so I, Saturday nights were kind of sitting around the house and lonely, and so I, I started going down to Appleton, uh, attending a Saturday night church service down there, and like, hey, not sure what'll happen, what God has in store, but uh, um, got me out of the house. It was, um, that's what I did for a while. You didn't go to church looking for a spouse. You went to church looking for more of Jesus. I'm gonna do a lightning round, okay? Lightning round for everybody. Think about this question. Jonathan, I'm gonna start with you because you are just really quick. (laughs) Briefly here, we're looking at the clock. The one thing that your spouse does consistently that makes you feel loved? She does a great job of serving me, um, especially with Eli, just her, her servant heart, and um, yeah, just loving me through that. Megan? Really putting us on the spot here. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I would say the same thing. You're a good, a good servant. Um, you're very busy. You got a lot of things on your plate, but um, especially with with Eli and with our new growing family, you've you've um, been a lot more intentional to prioritize us and and time at home. That's the key to a healthy marriage: is each person serving each other. Thank you. Lightning round, Ed. What is one thing she does to make you feel loved? She has a cup of coffee, hot coffee, waiting for me every morning when I get done with the bus run. <laughs> a, a servant, a servant. What does is, what is Ed do to make you feel loved? He brings me coffee. <laughs> <laughs> he really does. You know, we, I wait for him to get home. We have breakfast together. We just always do it. And uh, we'll sit and watch. I, when I say I like true crime, it's because I like forensics and I like to see him get the bad guy, okay? But anyway... <laughs> But anyway, we'll sit and watch TV and have our coffee and eat our breakfast. And uh, then he goes and he gets me more coffee. And I'll just sit there and look in my cup and it's empty. And uh, that's all. I don't even have to say anything. I just look in my cup. <laughs> he brings me coffee. No, he's, a, he's a sweetheart in every way. He always makes sure that I'm taken care of, no matter what's going on or what he's doing. Two individuals serving each other. Mary, one thing that Steve does that makes you feel loved. The security that he gives me, um, that's priceless to me. 
going through the hard times, I know he's not going anywhere. I know he's not going to leave me if I screw up or if I mess up. Um, he has been my rock. And to me, that's priceless. He's there for you no matter what. Yeah. No matter what. Steve? Uh, I would I'd say I, I know Mary values and appreciates me. That's, that's huge for me. Awesome. Awesome. Didn't they do an awesome job? Thank you. Thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for being authentic. Thank you for saying we're not perfect. We're still working on us. But I want to share what's happening in our lives. So I'm going to let you guys just stay here for just a few moments. And I want to share some thoughts that somebody had shared with me. Somebody had taught me about marriage. Somebody years ago had challenged me with the idea that there are three rules to marriage, and I think you can apply these to relationships. This is in your notes. I'm just going to briefly do this here. This changed me tremendously, okay? And I hope that it helps change you. There are three rules to marriage, or three rules to a relationship. If you want to grow closer in a relationship, you need to follow these three rules. Is everybody ready for this? Here we go. Number one, Understand, you cannot change your spouse. For some of you, you needed to hear that loud and clear because that has been your mission since day one, is to change your spouse, and it is not possible. Jesus talks about, I'm not going to read this, the passage, but in Matthew 7, is talking about judging others. Well, when, you, when you're judging others, you're like, you're pointing out, you have a problem, and I'm here to fix it. We need to work on your problem. You need to fix you. I have shared that Michelle and I went through a season where we needed to step away from ministry because there was marriage and ministry were colliding. We went to a marriage extensive counseling session, a three-day session. We drove to Ohio, Akron, Ohio, uh, this was specifically for pastors who were going through difficulties. And so as he wanted to hear our story, and it was my turn to talk, I, I didn't outright say it, but I might as well have said it. Can you please make sure you've talked to her about this because she is causing these difficulties? That was my attitude. That's, that's where I was because I was trying to change and fix my spouse. And he just, the counselor just kind of sat back and smiled. <laughs> and when I was done, he began to direct his attention to me and said, can I talk to you for a moment? And he began to pour into me like nobody. He, he, here's, have you ever had somebody read your mail? He was reading my mail, my text messages, my emails, my prayers. He was reading my journals. He was reading everything. And that man spoke right into my life. And it just automatically dissolved that the problem was with her. Son, you got some problems you need to work on. I wept like a baby. I needed somebody to tell me that. You Listen to me. Stop trying to change your spouse. You're not going to do it. Only God changes the heart of people. Stop 
You, some of you, that's the, you can leave right now if you just take that advice. Stop trying to change your spouse. Number two, the only person that you can really work on changing is yourself. During our season of challenge, that's what I call it, I was doing a, a sermon series on marriage like this. You know, smiley face on the outside, but chaos on the inside. And I felt so convicted. Listen, I felt so convicted about what I was saying about marriage. I had a full-length mirror put up on the platform. And I said, listen, folks, what I'm sharing with you today, I need to speak to myself. And ever, whenever I'd have a conviction, I would look in the mirror and say, did you hear that? I think a lot of us need to do that. Instead of looking at our spouse and seeing them as a problem, I think all of us need to look into the mirror and say, how am I contributing to this problem? Gentlemen, I think that if you're sitting there and your, your accusation against your wife is she's so insecure, I think, men, we need to look in the mirror and say, how have I contributed to that insecurity that I sense from her? I think we all need to look into the mirror. We need to stop looking at our spouse as the problem, and we need to look into the mirror. Paul tells us this in 2 Corinthians, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Examine your attitudes, your actions, and your words. And you know, how did people ask, how did you know when it was time to step down from ministry for a while? Because my attitude and my actions and my words were not in alignment with my faith. They were in church, but they were not at home. And I was saying things to my wife that I regret to this day. I said things to her that I asked God to forgive me for. And number three, number one, you cannot change your spouse. Stop trying to change your spouse. Stop it. Number two, the only person that you really can work on and you need God's help to do it is you can, you can change yourself. You work with God. You partner with God and say, God, change me. This is kind of like the heart of David in Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Just stop trying to work on your spouse and start working on you and see if you, you see a difference. Number three, with God. All things are possible. And I thank God for a godly wife. There's one thing that she has added to my life. You see, I'm supposed to be the spiritual leader, but years ago, 15, 16, 17 years ago, she became the spiritual leader. I was a pastor of a church. I didn't have time to be the spiritual leader in our home. But she started coming and chasing me in the morning and saying, I would really like for us to start praying for each other in the morning. And it was inconvenient for me because that's when I was doing things and getting ready for the morning, but she insisted. And all of a sudden, it began to do something in our marriage. And we do it to this day. If I was to give you one nugget of advice, if you are struggling in your marriage, I just tell every marriage to do this right now. Almost every single day, almost every single day, we know that it's our time for the, that it, she's leaving. She leaves early before me. We gather together and we hold each other and we pray for each other. I would say that one thing has done more for our marriage than just about anything. And she was the spiritual leader in that.
That changed our, because how can you, I, I just, I can go on and on. That changed us. I challenge you. I challenge the men. I challenge the men in this congregation. Don't be foolish like me. Don't wait for it to come to you. You be the spiritual leader in your home. And you tell your wife tonight, this is what time we're going to meet in the kitchen. In front of the kids, we're going to smooch in everything. This is what time, and they're going to see what a godly man looks like, and I'm going to hold you tight, and I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to give you affection without intention. <laughs> We've talked about that last week, affection without intention. I'm going to hold you tight. I'm going to pray over you. And then, wives, you pray over your husband, and then you give him the biggest smooch on his lips, and you part for the day and see what that does for your marriage. It is really hard to be mad at somebody after you've just prayed for him like that. So I want to I wanna close. I hope that this closer sermon series was good for you. And I hope that God brings healing into your friendships, your dating relationships. It gives you wisdom and in your marriage and in your home. And can I just ask, can I just pray over you right now, wherever you are in that season of relationships, in Jesus' name, all around this room, as we've heard stories, there's pain. There's some who are in the midst of healing. There's some who, and they're calling out for wisdom. There's some who are, who are calling out, Lord, change my spouse. Lord, change their hearts to say, Lord, change us, change me. God, I pray that we would just have the humility to call out to you, God, change me in Jesus' name. So I pray right now all over this room, all over the 715, let there be healings that happen in these homes, in these hearts, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Before I close here, I talked about, and, and you heard it from the, the, these couples, the most important relationship that you can have is a relationship with Jesus Christ. God sent his son, even while you were still a sinner, he sent his son so that you could have relationship with God through Jesus, but it's invitation only. He does, God never forces himself upon you. All you need to do is just open your heart up to him and say, God, I want you in my life. Would you do that with me right now? If that's you, if you've never invited Jesus in your heart, just, just bow your head. It's a personal thing between you and God. Just say, God, I need you. I want this relationship with you. I have been running my life far from you, and now I'm turning around and I'm running to you. Forgive me of my sins. I choose today to live for you and make you Jesus, Lord and Savior of my life. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give God praise this morning? Thank you, God, for what you've done. If, if you have prayed that prayer for the first time, I'm going to ask that you would just, we have those, those new here cards. Would you just put a check on there and say, I, I I made Jesus Lord of my life today. Just check that box. And we have some awesome people in the back in the guest center. And they have a Bible that they want to give to you. It's a new believer's Bible. It's going to help you in your relationship with God. It will enhance your road with him. I'm so glad that you came here. We went a little long this morning, but I think this was worth it. Can we give them another shout out this morning? Thank you, guys. Thank you for investing in our lives this morning. And before you go this morning,